Hi, this is Michael, and today's podcast is all about perfectionism. And I must say, just before starting, that this is the least prepared I've been for a podcast. I couldn't think of anything to do today, and it just came to me, I'm suffering from perfectionism. I wanted to have the perfect thing to talk about, then I said, well, why not just talk about what I'm going through? So here goes. Not a lot of uh, preparation here, so it's just going to be a little bit raw, and I think that's actually a good kind of meta for the whole podcast. So perfectionism. Okay, if you're an athlete, most likely you got some perfectionistic traits in you. It's kind of uh, one of the characteristics of athletes, really, of artists or anyone who's like really um, high achieving and striving for great things. So what the heck is uh, perfectionism? How do we define it? Um, It's really a, a point of diminishing returns when your focus is really, really myopic and on, um, basically getting things well perfect. So there's a point of diminishing returns where you hit about, you know, 80 to 90 percent and the job is essentially good enough. And this comes to um, performances in art. It comes in uh, being a lawyer or doctor. Like there's a point where you you do the job and the job is is damn good. Like it works. It serves the purpose. Right. A perfectionist will take that and not be satisfied and try to get the details even better and even better is because it does, doesn't even really matter at that point, but it's much more just about this internal process of wanting to get it better or righter or more correct when the whole world would basically judge it and say, you know what, like that's really good, like mission accomplished. So the perfectionist goes above and beyond the mission to the detriment of the mission, really. That's how I would define perfectionism. And where does it come from, right? So does a baby, a toddler, are they perfectionistic? Does, um, does a baby, when, when he's learning how to walk and falling all over himself, does the baby go, you know what? I can't get it perfect. That's it. I'm giving up. Like, no, of course, there's not a lot of self-consciousness going there. So the baby's like, no, I'm going to walk. I don't care how stupid I look. People might laugh at me, but like, I don't care. I'm going to walk. So there's no perfectionism really in people inherently. It's something really that's learned in society. And where does it come from? Well, um, the grading system in schools is a big one. You know, I got an A plus on the exam. Big deal. Like, is that really that much better than an A? Uh, like a 90% really in the long term? Like, does it mean that you're smarter? Not really. It just means that you got a couple more details correct on the exam. So we get it from teachers. We get it from parents. We basically get it from society. In the real world, after you, after you do college and all this kind of stuff, after high school, like 80% is probably good enough, gets the job done, and is essentially mission accomplished. So if in the real world, 80% or 90% is basically good enough mission accomplished, why does the perfectionist strive for even more and beat himself up for even more and be so self-critical? Well, it's like I said, it's learned from teachers, from parents, from society that there's this sort of, this all your self-worth comes from achieving a particular standard in a prescribed area as determined by societal norms. As a kid, 
if that's the message you get, you know, after you learn how to walk, right, and after you start becoming more and more self-conscious of what are these adults expecting of me and and what what am I supposed to do? And if I do this, will I get praise? And if I do that, you know, I'll get punishment. And so your psyche becomes slowly sculpted that this, oh, well, I have to now internalize this external criticism and standards. I need to internalize that into into me because if I don't, well, I'm going to be rejected um, by my parents even. And that means I'm going to be not loved. And that means that I'm going to be abandoned. So you internalize that all in on yourself and you create this thing that we call the inner critic. And the inner critic can really lead to this perfectionism. And the way perfectionism typically manifests for athletes is not necessarily during a performance, an athletic performance, but typically afterward in ruminating, in picking over all the little mistakes you made, or even before a competition, going through your head of all the things that might go wrong, really focusing on imperfections or like little things that maybe couldn't go correctly. And this is where the inner critic really gets in the way is pre-performance and post-performance. That's when we see athletes really suffering from these perfectionistic traits where they're really spending a lot of energy and time on little details that may be a, a good lesson to apply to their, their game. But what they'll do is instead of integrating the lesson and learning from it, they'll spend time literally punishing themselves on the, the quote-unquote mistake. And I always say, like, if you're not making mistakes, you're probably not pushing yourself hard enough um, as an athlete and, and growing as an athlete, that's just part of the process. You're not going to get everything perfect and you shouldn't. Um, so that's, that's what happens. And that's really what this podcast I think can help you with as an athlete is the pre-competition and post-competition ruminations on not being perfect. Okay, I know this is making sense, right? And we're kind of being a little intellectual about it, but let's just get practical yeah, maybe I'm a perfectionist. I mean, I'll raise my hand. I am. I am. It's something I honestly suffered from for a long time in my cycling career and in my academic career, and I still have problems with it. So we can understand it. We can have insight. And we can go, yeah, that makes sense. But behaviorally, we still do it, right? So let's get practical and let me give you my kind of top 10 ways to just stop it. Right. So you have permission that it doesn't make sense. Right. It doesn't make sense. So let's just stop it. All right. Good. So number one is awareness. Right. Just this little conversation we've had here is that, oh, right. You know, if you catch yourself in perfectionism, just have the awareness to know that you're doing it. You're participating in it. it doesn't make you a bad person. It's just a behavior that is a habit. It's really a habit. Look at it that way. So forgive yourself. Um, that would be number two. Step two would be just forgiving yourself. Hey, I'm human. I'm, I'm being a perfectionist. Okay. Uh, the third thing I would say is create a larger purpose for your sport, right? So that if your purpose is, um, I just want to win this race, I just want to, you know, achieve this particular thing during this particular season in my sport. If you're putting all of your energy into that, you can, that can tend to lead to perfectionism. 
and really, you know, I must get it right. You need to create a larger purpose for your sport, something more longitudinal, like I am striving for, um, you know, a 10-year career, and my sort of my mission or my purpose really is to inspire my teammates and inspire kids maybe who are playing the sport. Maybe I want to start a charity, right? So having something larger than your sport can get you out of perfectionism. Uh, the fourth thing I would say is develop a growth mindset. So what that means is that your purpose really for living, not just your sport, is growth, right? So win or lose, how did I grow today? Think about that. Win or lose, how did I grow today? Maybe every day ask yourself that question. Um, and that brings me to uh, point number five, which is I call it trees versus people. That's right, trees like in a forest. So a tree, what it does is it grows. That's what it does. It just, I don't know if, if trees think, I haven't really talked to one, but a tree just grows. You know, it has these rings every year, every season. It grows another ring. And if you walk through a forest and you look at the trees and you go, wow, look at all the beautiful trees. But the branches are kind of, you know, crooked. Some of them are like, you, know, you see some of these trees that are like half dead. You see all these sort of contorted branches and things like that. Some roots are showing and they're all imperfect. Um, but with people, right, people have this trip where they got to be perfect. They got to look perfect. They can't make any mistakes, but they're just like trees. They grow. Their purpose is to grow. Now, this is my own personal philosophy. You don't have to buy into it, but I truly believe that every being on this planet, this entire planet, the purpose is to grow and expand and become more conscious and influence people in positive ways to spread positive vibes. That's what I believe life is all about. So if you can be more like a tree and reach for the sky and tilt your branches in ways like, you know, it's not going right this way. Let me branch off this way. Oops, that didn't work. Let me branch off this way and try to try to find the sun. If you can be more like a tree and not be perfect, I think that'll help. Uh, point number six is, um, I call it the 20% rule. And the 20% rule is that when you find yourself being a perfectionist, um, being an inner critic and just ganging up on yourself, um, more than 20% of your day, Right, So if more than 20% of your day is filled in self-criticism, that's a problem. So I, I put it at 20%. Try to get it even lower than that. Okay. Um, uh, point number seven would be uh, failure as growth, a.k.a. fail forward. Think about it like a baby walking, like a baby taking first steps. Does the baby care about failing? No. The baby cares about growing, about achieving the walking. It likes to achieve things. It wants to grow and learn new skills, right? So think about fail forward or failure as growth. Uh, point number eight here is what I call flip the script. So if the fear of the perfectionist is that if they're not perfect, they're going to be judged and not loved, which is irrational, but it's emotionally ingrained, so it's hard to kick the habit. Think about flipping the script. If your teammate came up to you and was kind of down and being hard on himself and said, you know what, man, I just, I can't really, you know, I'm, I'm striking out. I'm not hitting my, 
my 250 batting average, or, you know, I can't seem to win this bike race, or I can't get below, you know, X time in the 800 meters, or whatever it is, and they're really down on themselves. What would you say to your teammate? What would you say? Like, genuinely? Would you say, you know what, like, you got to get it perfect, you got to, like, not get any sleep, and just be, like, really, really harsh, criticize them? Of course not, right? You probably say something like, dude, you can do it. Just keep going. Like you're talented. Just, just keep going. It's a question of time. You're going to get there. You know? So when you find yourself criticizing yourself, flip the script, pretend you are your own teammate, literally. And what would you say to yourself in that moment? Catch yourself in perfectionism and self-criticism and say, and, and say to yourself like, Hey, what would my teammate say to me? Oh, he'd say like, take, like literally take a break, chill. Like, and recharge and, you know, go again tomorrow. Something like that, right? Okay, point number nine here on my list of ways to stop perfectionism is think about perfectionism as an indulgence. Kind of like a chocolate cake. Like, I love chocolate cake. <laughs> and if you put it in front of me, like, I might eat it until I'm sick. So that that's kind of a problem. <laughs> so think about it like eat until you're full or satiated and then don't take that next piece or that next sliver of a sliver of a slice. Perfectionism is the sliver of the sliver of the slice. I need just a little bit more. That's not enough. It's not good enough. I'm not full, right? I'm not full. No, you're full. You're going to get a chance to eat chocolate cake again. Drop the perfectionism. It reminds me, when I, when I used to bike race, there was this guy um, that we all knew who had to get in his weekly mileage. He was like the mileage king. I think he was doing like 500 miles a week. And he would literally like ride around the block of his house until he would hit his mileage. Like that's a problem. <laughs> that's a great example of perfectionism. And, you know, we used to tease him, but I think about it like the guy was probably going through a lot of pain. Like that is a really tough place to be in. So if you find yourself doing stuff like that, think about it like you're indulging. There's really like no no purpose for that. Just it's about you satiating your ego at that point. Okay. Point number 10 in ways to stop procrastinating is choose environments or choose races or competitions where you're likely to fail. That's right. I said that where you're probably likely to fail. What that will do is that it will take some pressure off of you because maybe your chance of winning is not very realistic. But what happens in those situations is that you behave differently. You play it less safe. You you go there and because you're probably not going to get accolades and praise, like you might do something audacious. You might um, up level. Another way to do this is to train with people who are way better than you. Like go to a different area of the country or the world and spend a couple months playing uh, with the best of the best. I don't know, like if you're a sumo wrestler in the United States, you know, go to Japan, right? Or whatever it is. Or if you're a surfer, you know, go to Hawaii. I don't know, you get my point here, right? It's like put yourself in an environment where you're likely to fail, especially around people that are better than you, Okay. Um, let me leave you with a personal story about kind of how I partially cured myself of uh, perfectionism. 
Um, and here's how, here's how it went. So a lot of, you know, I used to race bicycles. I did it pretty seriously from, uh, age 16 to about 24. And this was when I was about 20 years old. I was really hitting my stride and, um, I was took I was taking it very seriously, which, which I should, but I had a teammate who had his, who had lucky socks he had a pair of socks that he'd won a couple races on and he treated them like a deity and he brought them to all the races and they were like in a special place in his bag and we teased him about it. And I remember one time he had forgotten his lucky socks and he freaked out. And this is actually when we were about maybe 16 or 17. So kind of an excuse. He was still a teenager. But anyway, um, this happened to me. So I had a pair of type of socks that I really liked. They're made by a company called Descent, and I don't think they make them anymore, but they were just like the perfect thickness of, of socks. I love them, and I would try to get a new pair for an important race, right? And so I remember going to this important race, and I'd forgotten my socks, and I didn't even have any like cycling socks. <laughs> I actually, at the time, had a pair of hot pink socks that uh, my girlfriend had given me at the time. And I was wearing them to the race and I was being, I was just being kind of goofy and I was like, holy crap, I'm going to have to race this race, pretty important race with hot pink socks that weren't even, that had to be like folded down. <laughs> so, um, I just kind of said, well, I just literally, I laughed out loud because like, what else could I do? Maybe I could go around borrowing someone's socks, but I was like, no, I actually want to take this as an opportunity and and just kind of play around. So I show up on the starting line. People are kind of looking at me. It's like, dude, what's up with your socks? I was like, hey, man, they're fast. They're my fast pink socks. And it gave me enough levity to start this 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 race. And there's a lot of people I wanted to beat there. It was an important race. And I was like, I, I had a, a really great race. Um, in fact, I won the race. And I don't know if it was because of the socks, but I think it was <laughs> because... I made this audacious move in the race and no one really thought I could do it. I broke away like too early, um, was able to hold a gap on the field, one at the end. But it was because of some teasing and laughing on the start line that I just didn't take the race as seriously as I would have. I played it less safe. I was a little more loose. And that's my anti-perfectionism story is really at the end of the day, don't, don't take yourself so damn seriously, right? Certainly have goals and certainly push yourself to grow and all that awesome stuff. But at the end of the day, like you're not going to be at the peak of your athletic career, your entire life. Like life is much bigger than your sport, right? You have friends and family and sunsets and sunrises and like, Think about that. Like, just just chill out a little bit on the perfectionism. Like, you're doing great. People like you. Um, it sounds like a sounds like Stuart Smalley. If you don't, <laughs> I sort of dated myself there, but it's a character from Saturday Night Live who used to say, "I'm good enough. I'm smart enough." And doggone it, people like me. Um, which is not a a bad note to end on. So there you have it. This is my imperfect podcast on perfectionism. 
I hope it worked. I hope it went places that served you if you suffer from perfectionistic tendencies, which I do, which a lot of people do. So this podcast is really uh, self-curative, and uh, hopefully um, it's going to resonate with other people and you glean some techniques and strategies that can help you prosper in your sport. This is Michael Seeley's Sports Psychology Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you're interested in doing some coaching with me, you can you can go to uh, michaelseeley.com, uh, get coaching there. There's a lot of, uh, all my podcasts are there. You can also go to my Instagram, um, michael underscore seeley. That is spelled C-E-E-L-Y, last name. And I put a lot of uh, videos and all kinds of stuff up there that can help you. All right, everyone, be a tree and grow imperfectly.